very word secrecy is repugnant in a free and open society. Politicians are put there to give you the idea that you have freedom of choice. And uh, I'm here tonight on location at Pacific Coast Cycle, and I'm talking to the Mike O'Brien. Welcome, Mike. Yeah, thank you very much. It's awesome. I'm glad that uh, you set aside some time for us to be able to do this interview. Um, You know, there's a lot of people that I interview that are new to the scene. I mean, within the last 10 years, they've been, you know, trying to build bikes or building bikes, and uh, even successfully, and, you know, showing them, and uh, shows like Born Free and, and some of these other uh, shows that come up. And uh, it's awesome to get the perspective of someone who's been doing this for a long time. Yeah. Uh, tell us just a little bit about how your life started out. I mean, even from the youngest age that you can remember, what life was like growing up in your house? And Well, basically it was, uh, you know, um, didn't have a lot of money. I've been working since I was nine years old. Um, um, just... You know, I didn't have like a regular normal childhood because I worked, you know, most of my life. Um, and the way the bike thing started was uh, <clears throat> I um, lived with my mom over off of Temple on 11th. And um, I went to the store for her, which was a Cinnabar. It was a Cinnabar and then the liquor store next door. Mm-hmm. And as I walked around the corner, there was like a bike shop that just, you know, it was like nighttime and it was like insane. He had a 45 trike he had all these bikes in the window I, it just blew me away <laughs> and i was a little kid and um anyway long story short um i went there the next day and i started talking to the guy his name was bill and um i started hanging around the shop and um um i was like fascinated i mean i couldn't tell you the difference between a harley and, and and that light right there but <laughs> I was fascinated from the day I, the first time I seen it to right now yeah. and um, anyway long story short I um, I met a guy there by the name of Lonnie Johnson and he was like he worked out for the Mr. Mr. America contest he was like insane nicest guy you ever met and um, <clears throat> the way it actually all started was <clears throat> he was doing a panhead trike for the San Bernardino car show okay and it was insane. It was all stretched out. Now, this is back in the day when, you know, um, it was like the bike was like stretched or the trike was stretched out. It had a, you know, authentic panhead motor in it, a four-speed kick with a tin primary. And he was doing all the molding on it. And um, I kind of like, I said, man, dude, I said, that, that really looks cool. I'd like to learn how to do it. And he's like, he's like, um, well... Do you want to learn how to do it because it looks like it's fun, or you want to learn how to do it and really don't waste my time, but really do it? Right. Well, from that day to now, from the first time he showed me how to mix Bondo and lay it on the trike and then sand it and block it, that's how I originally started out uh, painting. That was my thing, custom okay. painting. <clears throat> and I was fortunate enough to be able to hang around back in those days it's not like it is now the best of the best of the best that gave me a million dollar education yeah when i first started painting we used nitrocellulose lacquer we bought a standard branch 
and then color sand and buffed everything out. And um, anyway, I got to uh, meet some pretty interesting people, some talented guys that worked for Larry Watson, you know, George Barris. These guys, like, had little things going on the side and was nice enough to show me. And then, like I say, after a while, I was doing, like, you know, flames, scallops, candies, all these different things. And uh, that's how it all started. About what year do you think that was? That was, was like, I'm going to say... When I actually, first, I'm going to say, I'm going to say, late seventies. Okay. You know, but then, like I say, for a while, I got out of you know doing anything with bikes, and I, I actually Alex's bar that used to be a bar next door called mm-hmm. Valentine's, and I was a cook there, okay. and um, <clears throat> um, me and my ex got in a deal anyway. I wound up moving out, and I believe it or not, <clears throat> I rented a one car garage in the alley behind her place and I wound up moving into it and um, I don't know I just um, I just was in that garage hanging out and cooking and you know and then that actually uh, that actually turned into like I was there for I was there for 14 years and I went from a one car garage to taking a shower in a bucket it was crazy (laughs) to to like 14 garages and I I was like I got I got into the export business when it ground level when it first started yeah. and it went off it went insane then I started dealing with Germany Australia New Zealand Japan everywhere um, were, you, were you shipping bike parts or were you just exporting anything I was shipping bikes okay <clears throat> because see here here's the problem and it's a big one um, these guys were coming over here. And see, I get to know them. We become friends, and they could trust me. To this day, I have the same buyers. And if I wanted them to wire me a hundred grand in my account, it wouldn't be a question asked. They just do it because they know that you know. So, a lot of those guys were getting ripped off. Guys, they were wiring money to guys and not getting the product. Mm -hmm. You know, losing a lot of money. But um, anyway, back in those days, you ain't gonna believe it. I'm gonna tell you this, and you're gonna fall off that chair. (laughs) But you could buy, and I bought. And I bought probably, no exaggeration, a hundred knuckleheads. You could buy wow. a box stock, beautiful, absolutely perfect mint knucklehead, stock everything, never been touched, thirty five hundred bucks. Wow. Three grand. Yeah, you can't even touch a basket case no, knucklehead you can't for that nowadays. Touch, you couldn't touch the heads off of one for what I bought. Right. You know, and um anyway, so I'm doing the export thing and I'm I'm custom painting. Um, and um, you know everything's going good and getting busier and busier and busier and busier and busier and then um, um, I decided there was a shop called Clover Custom the guy's name was Pete Peasy and he was a brilliant businessman Um, anyway I'm working out of this alley I have no business license no resale license no nothing but I'm doing a phenomenal amount of business Mm -hmm. and I used to go to Clover Custom. He had a, a block-long shop where he sold parts. And um, I used to ask him, like, hey, Pete, you know, what? how do you do this? I mean, I want to go out on the street, be legit, get a business license, a resale number. You know, I don't even know how to start or whatever. Right. And anyway, he gave me a million-dollar education. He was nice enough to, like, walk me through the whole process. And one of the things he told me, and to this, from the day he told me to this day, <clears throat> um, 
He said, as you start coming up in business, and this is where a lot of guys, this is where a lot of guys, and I bought out so many guys in my lifetime, I couldn't count them all, but here's the problem. You get a successful business, and like my business, people are throwing stuff at you. Hey, I had the, I had the vice president of Custom Chrome when I had my other shop come down. He saw my shop, and he told me, he says, look, he goes, We'll give you chassis, and you can build them with the motors, sell them, and then pay us. Well, Pete taught me from day one. Everything in this building, every bike I own, every all my clothing line, every, I own it. Okay. Everything, I mean, that's the main thing mm-hmm. is I pay I pay my insurance, my mortgage on this building, and my, uh, my utilities. But, you know, I mean, I don't get nothing from nobody. Unless it's paid for, no thirty-day credit, no spring dating, none of that kind of stuff. Yeah. <laughs> and believe me, um, it works. Yeah. You know, because I, I, I mean, the problem is, is uh, you know, it's like it's like um, I have a lot of health issues. I got can I got everything you can imagine wrong with me. And yeah, everything's going good. And you got credit out for you know fifteen people, yeah. and you owe a trillion dollars. And the next thing you know, I'm laying in the hospital. You know, I've had a triple bypass, five stents in my heart. Mm. I got, you know, B-cell lymphoma cancer. I got carotid arteries. So I'm laying in the hospital. And, you know, you think these people are going to go, well, hey, Mike, we'll wait a few months until you... No, they're going to go, hey, where's our money, man? Right. We gave you the product. Well, see, the way I deal with it is all cash. It's all paid for. It's all it's all mine. And if I want to close these doors tomorrow morning and never come back in this building, I can do it. Can, yeah. I, I don't have to worry about... But, um, yeah, I mean, it's, it, you know... But um, yeah, it, it, it's it's been it's been insane, man. I never I never realized, I swear to you, I never realized that my whole entire life would be consumed by Harley Davidson. You know, like the business, my whole life. I mean, I I've been doing it my whole entire life, and I and I'm going to tell you, coming up when I lived in that one car garage and I took a shower in a bucket, I got credit from the liquor store. I get some ragu and a, and a, and a and a, and a piece of cake, and I lay there and I cook my ragu, and I, you know, with a hot plate, and I eat. I never dreamed, you know, that that, you know, things would turn out the way, you know, that it yeah. would just keep progressing and compress, you know, bigger, 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 you know, to where, you know, it's like it's like it's insane. But well, yeah. tell tell us a little bit about um, because you've spent most of your life or all your life, I guess, at this point, working on Harleys, dealing with Harleys. Tell us a little bit about your experience with Harley Davidson, because I know we were talking a little bit before. Right. Uh, if you're comfortable talking about that, yeah, I don't mind. Just share your experience with uh, kind of y- your experience through your life yeah. about Harley Davidson. Okay, well, here let's start off by by <laughs> saying this. First of all, a lot of people don't realize that Harley Davidson came this close, like Indian, from going out of business. Why? From 1970 to 1984, they built dinosaur shovel heads that leaked, pissed, barely got out of the way of themselves, while the Japanese markets are building these insane, you know, high-tech bikes. Well, what saved what saved Harley-Davidson was the Evolution motorcycle, and I remember the day they came out, and that changed the whole industry. But when they came out, I had a store on Pacific Coast Highway now. I'm, I'm in the street. I'm all legit. And... I sold tons and tons and tons of Harley Davidson products, and um, you know, T-shirts, belt buckles, pins, wallets, everything. And I buy it. I mean, no, nothing bootleg. I bought the same exact shirts that L.A. Harley bought, 
but only with my logo from the same company. And um, anyway, as Harley-Davidson came up, as they got bigger and bigger, um, <clears throat> they called me up one day, Bill Wood in Trademark Enforcement, and said, you know, they wanted, they, uh, somebody was in my store, I don't know who, but they took pictures, and they're telling me I got this and this and this and this, yeah. So then they wrote me a cease and desist order, and I complied. I got rid of everything, the Harley shirts, the belt buckles. Um, anyway, um, I tried to call the guy back, Bill Woods, and, uh, you know, he wouldn't reply. Um, so I just shined it on. And then the next thing you know, I'm getting letters from corporate. They're going to sue me. They're turning it over to their attorney. I don't give a shit. I, I complied. Yeah. But meanwhile, like I said, to tell you how chicken shit Harley is, I was dealing with L.A. Harley. And years ago, they had an international department. And you could buy Harley frames, cases, tranny cases, not, nothing like now where you got to have, you know, you got to cut off your neck or how whatever. <laughs> but, um, right. yeah, I was buying 20 frames. I buy, you know, I want an L.A. Harley. You know, how many tranny cases you got? 40, 50. I'd buy them all cash. I was buying tons and tons and tons of parts. Well, the way, the way all this came down is after I talked to Bill Woods, you know, he wouldn't reply after I complied with him. I got a call from the owner of L.A. Harley, and he goes, Mike, he goes, look, I hate to be in the middle of your problem, he goes, but Harley told me that they, I can't sell you no more stuff hmm. until you comply with them, and gave me the phone number to the guy to talk to. So I called the guy up, and he was the nicest guy I ever talked to in my life. The guy at Harley. The guy at Harley, yeah, at Milwaukee, did, okay. yeah. So I told him what happened between me and Bill Williams, you know, you know, I said I complied. So anyway, long story short, I shot pictures of the shop, you know, the store that everything's gone. I sent them to the guy. And then, then anyway, everything was fine. Everything was dropped. And I talked to this guy three or four times because he was so knowledgeable. We talked about knuckleheads and panheads and all these different bikes and different things. Well, at the end of the conversation, I said, by the way, buddy, I said, you know, it's kind of chicken shit. I said, you know, um, a Harley dealership has astronomical overhead. And I just think it was like kind of wrong for you guys to tell Dave that uh, he can't sell to me no more until I straighten this out. Hmm. And he's like, what are you talking about? I go, I told him what Dave told me. He goes, no, 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 no. We called Dave, just asked him about you. And then he jumps up with, well, I'm going to call him and I'm going to this and I'm going to tell him, <laughs> you know, he ain't going to buy from me until. And then another thing, part of the story is when, uh, when Dave called me up from L.A. Harley, the first thing he told me, he goes, he goes, I understand you representing your shop as a dealership. And I told him just like this, point blank, because I remember like it was yesterday. I said, Dave, if he got a forty-five and put it up to the side of my head and was going to pull the trigger, unless I represented my shop as a dealership, I'd tell you to pull the trigger. And if I wanted a dealership, I would have had one years ago. But there's too many rules, too many regulations, too much bullshit. you got to go by there. Like, like at one time, it, this was amazing. The overseas business was beyond anything you can even imagine. And when guys were going to buy new Harleys, and you can believe me or not, from overseas or whatever, or I mean, not from overseas, from here, mm -hmm. they were going up buying brand new bikes. They had to sign an affidavit 
promising that they won't ship the bike overseas. Wow. Harley made them sign. I swear to God, I'm not kidding you, man. It was like, <laughs> it was insane. Well, that was part of, that was the main part of your business, too, at one point, right? You were building bikes and sending them over. No, I overseas. wasn't. No, 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 no. I wasn't building them. I was buying them. Buying them, okay. See, at one time, I used to dream about, look, man, someday I'm going to have the money to be able to buy a Harley, and then I'm going to sell it and get, well, that day happened, and I had a Harley. <laughs> But like I say, I started meeting all these exporters. Mm-hmm. You know, I got I put the Harley up online, or no, no, I put there was no online crap then. But I put yeah, I put the <laughs> I put the bike up. You know, matter of fact, it was uh, God Almighty what motorcycle was, trader. No, 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 the, the, the recycler. Yeah, that's yeah. where I got my calls, and then I started meeting these overseas buyers. Anyway, I sold the bike, and then it just it just shot up like insane, wow. and um, and then what and then what these guys were having me do they were having me find bikes and then they they like they'd like you know wire me the money or have or wire the money to somebody over here and then they'd bring me the money mm-hmm. and then i'd give them the bike and that and then it just went i'm telling you it went it then it just went to the point to where it was like i can't even tell you it was insane yeah you know the only the only the only sad part about it is i mean the only sad part about it is as you go to the swap me now and you see a set of knuckleheads sitting there for three thousand dollars that look like they came out of the bottom of the ocean. Well, I'm one of the assholes responsible for that because I send them all overseas, and I never thought I'm making killer money. And I'm never thinking, well, this is going to come to an end someday, yeah. and it's going to skyrocket. This, you know, I didn't think that way. I was just thinking, hey, I'm making money. Well, you know, yeah. it just, yeah, I don't know. It just, I'm, I'm sure at that point you weren't thinking ahead. You weren't thinking, no. What's what's what are going to be the repercussions? Of this? you were yeah. thinking, I'm I got to make bills yeah. and you know or pay yeah. bills and well, it's like, it's like it's like I'll, I'll tell you a quick story. Okay. This is going back. Uh-huh. Used to be you could buy House of Color paint in a spray can, mm-hmm. all the candy blues, reds, you know. Blah, blah. Well, this is te- I bought a. Who who would think I bought a 1955 Chevy two door hardtop Bel Air. Mm-hmm. My brother worked in the gas station on 4th and Atlantic, 616 East 4th Street. I parked the car on the side of the building. I sanded the dash down, right, practicing, because I wanted to paint so bad. Mm-hmm. Blew it all off, cleaned it all off, primered it, sanded the primer, and then I shot a gold base, and then I shot it a candy oriental blue, right? Mm-hmm. Came out cool, man. Cleared it all out of a can. I mean, you know, amateur shit, but all right. And when I was done with that car, I swear on my skin, I junked it for ninety dollars. Wow! I swear to God. But back in the, look, back in those days, it was like the knucklehead. Day, yeah. You know, buying the knucklehead. I bought a nineteen fifty four Chevy two door hardtop, copper and white that you would absolutely fall down. It was smoking. I got six tickets for smoking. I <laughs> drove it into the junkyard, got fifty dollars for it, then took the junkyard or took the junk slip to the judge and cleared the tickets. Wow. Oh, dude, I'm telling you, man. <laughs> Things were a little bit different back then, oh, too, yeah. with, with cops and courts and all that oh, stuff. Oh, yeah, and then, but like I say, you never think you never think a 55 Chevy Bel Air or two-door hardtop is going to sell for, you know, 70 grand, you know. Right. You're junking them for 90 bucks. You, it's like, you know, but some people were smart and had the foresight to, like, I know a few people that bought back then, and they still have the stuff. Yeah. You know, it's, like, amazing, but I didn't do that. I just, you know. Because well, you have a passion that is was evolving, you know. You were painting, and then oh, yeah. went from one thing to the next. And then you were, you know, on the motorcycles, and I mean, that's yeah. you're not you're probably not thinking, oh, I'm going to do 
do this one all up and put it aside, right. you're thinking, okay, I'm finished with it, now move on. Yeah, exactly. What, um, what kind of, what things preceded um, your original shop on Pacific Coast? Uh, what, what things led up to that, events that led up to that? Um, well, I'll tell you, man, and it's a heartbreaking story. Pete Peasy, the guy that I just told you that I got all the advice from, mm-hmm. um, as a matter of fact, Bruce, who just passed away, my mechanic, um, he worked for him <clears throat> back then. And anyway, Pete got into drugs and alcohol like no human being on this planet. Yeah. And uh, he was like wigging out. He was staying up six days at a time. Um, Bruce said, <clears throat> Pete called him one night and told him, don't come in the shop. Whatever you do, this metal boring bugs going through my skin. Wow. Uh, he was losing it. Wow. Well, here's the deal. Now I'm thinking to myself, I mean, I love Pete. He was the greatest guy in the world, and it yeah. kills me what happened to him. But I'm saying, you know what? I got to make the move. Yeah. I got to get out. And I had this friend. His name is Jack. <clears throat> and um, he had Smitty's Auto Parts on the corner of Stanley and PCH. And he, what he did is he, it was a big shop, and he closed half of it off, and he was going to rent it. Mm-hmm. And I hit him up, and he's like, yeah, man, no problem. Well, the mistake I made is uh, this guy by the name of Jim Strewsbury, he's a welder. He wrecked his bike. Mm-hmm. Well, he brought it to my garage. He, somebody told him about me anyway. Long story short, he was a welder for Chevron. And he brought me the bike, and um, I completely tore it down. I completely redid the bike, you know, done. Anyway, in the, in that in the same time, we're talking and everything. I'm thinking, you know what, you know, maybe maybe uh, I should get a partner, you know, because uh, mm-hmm. you know this is a big adventure, you know, worst mistake I ever made. I, <laughs> I he like I say, the main thing that sealed the deal was he was putting his house. He had a condo in Huntington Beach, and he was going to put it up, you know, get a loan on his condo to come in with me on the shop. Right. I already had the money to do it, so. Anyway, we we sealed the deal, everything, and the place was still not finished. Mm-hmm. And um, anyway, I told I told Jim, I said, "Here's what we're gonna do." I said, "We're gonna pay Jack first and last month's rent. We're gonna pay six months in advance, and if we can't do it in six months, we shut it down." Mm-hmm. Agreed. So we did it. Anyway, um, we took over the construction of the deal, you know, because mm-hmm. Jack and. Um, Jack told me, he goes, when do you think you're going to be in here? I go, 30 days. He goes, no way. I put, uh, No way. 30 days later, we were open, had a little wow. thing. Yeah, but um, but the worst mistake was, you know, pulling in the partner. I wound up buying him out. Yeah. But that's a long story. But, um, yeah, but the, but the thing, that, the, the incentive that got me to, you know, step up was the fact that my career was, I mean, there's, there is no way on God's green earth. Anybody could have done what I did in a one-car garage, turn it into 14 garages. I'm spraying more. I painted everything, and I'm, I'm telling you the God's truth. Mm-hmm. From fingernail polish I made for chicks to a, to a semi-truck that wow. the guy backed into my place in between two poles. He backed in the semi, and I turned around, and I shot it white. And then I did all the graphics on the, on the sleeper and everything. <laughs> From that, I'm telling you. Now, if you tried that, yeah. your ass would be in prison because now they got the EPA, the blah 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 blah. blah. Right. They'd be down there. They got people they pay to drive around and look for people illegal painting and everything. Yeah. But see, the bad part about it was, 
<clears throat> see, I had like, look, I had like spray guns. Now check it out. Mm-hmm. I had a primer gun. I had a clear gun. I had a candy gun. I had a metallic gun. I had, you know, all these different guns, right? Right. And then, and then, <clears throat> every time I shot a job, okay, I used a, I used a, the base gun, you know, mm-hmm. base everything out. Then I would use the candy gun. Well, after I shot the paint, I had fifteen fifty six wash thinner, and I would. You know, clean the gun out, you know, like this, you know, pour it in a coffee can and then take more, you know, until it gets a little bit cleaner, pour it in the can. Then I would turn around and pour it in and then squirt some out of the tip, you know, squirt it out. So it, and then I would take the gun completely apart and I had a one gallon can with a, a, a thinner can that I took and opened it up and poured it full of thinner. Well, I would take the gun completely apart and drop it in the, in the thinner. And I would turn around and clean the gun till you could eat off of it. But little did I know, when I'm dipping my arms in there, that's how I got cancer. Oh man! All the all the chemicals, all the man. I I breathe more paint than any person on yeah. this planet, and uh, you know that's how that's how I wound up. You know, because I don't smoke, I don't drink, I don't. You know, me and my when I first got it, it's like, man, how in the hell did I do this, man? Yeah. And then I started thinking, man, you kidding me? <laughs> The chemicals I've... Oh, my God, man. <laughs> well, let's, if, if you don't mind talking a little bit about your cancer and just how like how the journey has been so far and kind of uh, where you're at with that. Because I know that the goal of this podcast has been you know, to tell the story of people's lives. Right. And I know that people have listened to this podcast you know, on various different occasions, and there's right. always something that resonates with somebody. And... Um, I don't know. Maybe you know. Maybe something from your life is going to resonate with somebody. Well, here, here's how it all started. First of all, I got a bad heart. All my problems started when I was 48. I had a heart attack. I was at believe it or not, I was at Coco's with a friend of mine. Mm-hmm. We were eating, and it was freezing like it's been here. You know how mm-hmm. cold. I ate, and all of a sudden I'm just like, oh my god, man, what the hell? You know, I'm I'm getting all hot and I'm tripping, man. Like what the hell's going on? You know. And my buddy Ron, he goes, you all right? I go, I don't know. I don't feel good, man. Anyway, so we leave, and um, we get out in the parking lot. Man, I take off my shirt. I take off my T-shirt. I leave my shirt wide open. Windows down. Ron's going, man, dude, what the hell is wrong with you? I don't know, dude, but I don't know. I feel like I'm going to pass out. He goes, you want me to take it to the hospital? I said, no, 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 no. Anyway, he drops me off, and at the time, I had this guy's Dodge truck on consignment. Mm Mm-hmm. So I couldn't handle it, man. I got in that truck and I went to St. Mary's. Well, long story short, as soon as they started, they rushed me right into it like cold blue. Wow! I had a heart attack. That was my first. That was my first thing. Yeah. So anyway, after that, after that heart attack, I had another one. Okay. So then I had to, uh, you know, I, I mean, I was like, it was like blowing my mind. I'm like, wow. Well, then I, I. Congestional heart failure runs in my family. Okay. So, anyway, I got a cardiologist, cardi, whatever you call it, cardiologist, and he does the he does the dye in my in my grind and everything. Yeah. He goes, Mike. He goes, we got to get you in the hospital like now. Mm-hmm. You plugged up, and I said I can't because my son who passed away, he got in trouble. He was a, he was a juvenile, and I had to go to court with him. And I said I can't. I got I get I can't go in. He goes. He goes, uh, the thing about it is, he goes, look, does my uh, my next appointment is like February like 4th. And he goes, I'm going to tell you the truth. You might not be alive. Wow. That's how bad you I go, well, I got a chance. Anyway, I did. <laughs> I got the triple bypass. 
<laughs> and then um, you know I um, you know and then as 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 time went on, my heart was bad. I get a stent, a stent, a stent, a stent. Well, all of a sudden, out of the blue, it's the weirdest thing, man. Is like. I swear to God, my stomach came out to here wow. like an alcoholic when they swell up. When they're, you know, I don't drink, never have. You know, occasional beer, I don't even finish it. Well, something's wrong. Now I can't eat food. I can't swallow it. It comes back. So I had to go in for another stint. So when I went into the to get the stint, mm-hmm. <clears throat> okay, I told them what was going on with my stomach, and they did a sonogram like when you have a baby. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> I said. Uh, you know, I'm tripping, you know, well, you know. And they did the sonogram, and then they told me, they said, well, something's in there, but we can't tell. Hmm. So what they did, they had me drink this shit called barium. Yeah. And it is the worst, I swear to God. Every other drink, I barked. Anyway, I got it down, and then they put me in the big tube yeah. and did the, the M- M- MRI or whatever. Mm-hmm. So then she says, you know, you got a tumor. It's a 15 by 15 mass basketball-sized tumor. Wow. And she goes, we're going to do a biopsy and see if it's cancerous. So so this is, this is oh man, this is a trip. I don't know if you ever went through this, but like, like three times in my life, three times in my life, I didn't know. I mean, I was up to see if I was going to die. Yeah. And, and I wasn't tripping. I'm not afraid to die. Everybody does it. But the problem is, my daughter, I'm tripping on my daughter and my kid. I'm like, man, if I if I die. So anyway, yeah. Anyway, they do a biopsy on the tumor, and I'm waiting, right? They call me, and everybody's saying, hey, Mike, man, dude, you create, dude, it's a tumor. They can take it out in five minutes, man. It's not. I said, dude, it's me, dude. It's Michael O'Brien. Yeah. I got the luck. I'm telling you. Bigger than shit. Call me up. Yeah, Mr. O'Brien, you got B-cell lymphoma cancer. The can the tumor is can't, and you got in your lymph nodes. Um, we don't know what stage. Yeah. I'm like, what? We don't know what stage. Now get ready for this. Okay. I had to go in and do a bone marrow biopsy. Oh. And if anybody's listening to what I'm saying and ever had one done, yeah. I'm telling you, man, I can. I got a strong tolerance for pain. I go in. I go into the. I had to have it down at St. Mary's. They did it over there. Mm-hmm. I go into the room. The guy turns around and he, I take my shirt off, pull up my T-shirt, and then he pulls my pants down to the bottom of my spine, and he takes a needle like this long, yeah. and he sticks it in my back to numb it. Then he takes another one and goes right down to my spine. Okay, now my back's numb, but it hurt, you know, like I'm all yeah. like that, you know. Then... He takes something that looks like a T-handle Allen wrench, and then he turns around and sticks it in my back and until he broke into my spine and pulled the bone marrow out. Well, dude, I, come on, man. Yeah. Throw that engine out. I don't hit me with a bus. It was like, and when it, when the when the test was done, I go. I told the guy. I said, you know something, buddy. I said, I said I got a strong tolerance for pain, but you took me over the edge. He goes, well, I'm going to tell you something. You're a tough dude because I'm telling you, most people, they either pat, they're screaming. They're there. I go, well, hey, you know, I wanted to, believe me. <laughs> so anyway, next part of the story is it takes three weeks to find it. See, one, stage one is like little chemo, you're done. Stage two is worse. Stage three is what I had. Four and five, five, you're done. They can keep you alive for a little while. Four, you're going to be on chemo for, you know. 
but I was stage three. But I didn't find out. See, that's what I'm saying. Uh, you know, they did the bone marrow biopsy, but how long, you know, how long do I have to live? If I'm in stage five, yeah. you know, I got to pack my shit, you know, make my sh- I'm done, you know, but I'm worried about what's going to, my daughter was young, you know. Right. Anyway, I was stage three and I had to do, I had to do um, eight sessions of chemotherapy. Wow. And I had to do uh, the real aggressive chemo. And, oh, wait, and the tumor, the, hey, the tumor, to add to the story, was wrapped around my intestines uh. so they can't take it out. They have to shrink it. So they shrunk it with chemo, and um, it was horrific. They, they See, what happens is when you, okay, when I go in to do the chemotherapy, before you do the chemo, yeah. they turn around and they, they give you a consultation, and they go, well, Mike, it's like this. It's a roller coaster ride. You kind of up, you kind of down, you kind of up, you kind of down. It's you know, um, but it's really not all that. You know, dude. Let me tell you something. <laughs> let me tell you something. First thing, if you're going to do chemotherapy, like I did, lock up your guns. You get so depressed. Second thing is eating and drinking. Those are the two things that you lose. Yeah. It's like, as a matter of fact, you can believe me or not. I'm telling you the God's truth. I came, I came this close to dying in Memorial Hospital. They had to bring me back. They gave me too much chemo too fast. I walked out here from my house because I live back there, mm-hmm. out here to the shop. And the only, thing, the only thing I remember, or the last thing, my daughter's waking me up screaming. I got a knot on my head this big. And my arm's like this, bent over. I passed out. Wow. Anyway, so then I go to the doctor. and I'm, I'm, I told her what happened. You know, or not to my doctor's Jonathan Blitzer. He's, he wrote the book on cancer, but um, his nurse, or whatever that does does his deal, his appointment. Mm-hmm. Um, I told her what happened, and as I'm talking to her, it sounded like a tunnel, like I'm, I'm lo- like she's talking to me, and I'm like in a tunnel. And the next thing you know, the paramedics are waking me up with smelling salts and put me on a gurney, and they wow. rushed me over to Memorial, and. Um, yeah, dude, I was done. It's weird because I'm going to tell you this. It's it's a trip because this is something that 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 blew blew me away. You know, you see people dying, you see people on the edge, you see people like like you know, I mean, right there. Because I I'm telling you, dude, I swear I was right there. But I'm going to tell you this, man. My body shut down. Mm-hmm. It shut down little by little. Little by, they're pumping me with every kind of thing, dude. I got IVs on top of IV. My body's shutting down, shutting down, shut. And then when I was that far away, dude, from just closing my eyes and just saying, you know, we're good. The amazing thing was my mind was just as sharp as I'm sitting here talking to you. Wow. I'm, I'm in there, dude, I'm this, I'm, I'm this far away from death, and I'm thinking... Man, dude, I got so much shit to do at the shop, man. I wish I can get up and go. My mind is just as sharp. Wow. Anybody look at me? Yeah. They think, you know. He's done. He's done. <laughs> He's done. But my mind, so that kind of like, that kind of like trips me out because, um, you know, it's, it's, it's like you see people dying, you know. But like I say, I was there. I was there twice. But yeah. like I say, my mind is, but I'll tell, you what, I'll tell you what saved me through the cancer. Hmm. I'm going to tell you this real quick. Okay, I'm 100% anti-drug. I won't take a drug. I don't take... I wrote out my open-heart surgery. I got in an argument with the doctor. I went over there. I mean, I'm cut up. I'm, I'm, you know, I get in an argument with my doctor. He goes, how you feeling, Mike? I go, I'm feeling fine, except for I'm in a lot of pain. He goes, what are you talking about? I go, 
I'm in a lot of pain. He goes, I gave you pain meds. I go, I don't take them. He goes, what? And I proceeded to tell him. Yeah. And then he, oh, man, you're over. Jack. I said, dude, let me tell you something. It's my prerogative. I don't take them. Now, let me tell you something. Let me tell you a hundred stories of guys that stubbed their toe that I dealt with mm-hmm. that got Oxycontin and codeine. And, vac- and now they, they, they're either dead. They had wives. They had kids. They had businesses. They had everything. And just gone, man, living in vans. I bought their bikes, you know. How do you know it is, you know, it's not going to happen to me, you know? Right. I don't want to take, I don't, I don't deal with it, period. So anyway, um, so that, but here's the deal. That's why I wanted to make the point about yeah. anti-drug. Yeah. I'm going to tell you what saved my life. And I mean literally saved my life. And I could be a poster child for it. <laughs> marijuana. Yeah. I'm gonna, 50 people told me, dude, smoke the chemotherapy, man. You're on edge. You're tense. You you don't eat. You don't sleep. You might sleep for 10 minutes. You're waking up. You're like tense. You're depressed. You're crying. You want to kill yourself. You want to be... Smoke pot, Mike. Oh, man. I ain't touching that shit. <laughs> Finally, Bruce, my mechanic that passed away, he had some pot at home. I said, Bruce, you know what? Bring me some pot, man. So he brings me a little film thing like this that you put 35-millimeter mm-hmm. film yep. with about three buds in it. And I used to have another shelf over there, a different <laughs> one, And because my daughter, I, I got a pipe, and I got the buds. And like one night, I'm like in there like this, man, and I'm tense, and I'm right. I came out here. I put some of them buds, or I put a couple in the bowl. Mm-hmm. I lit it. I smoked it. Dude. It was a life-changing experience. I yeah. went inside. I went from like this to like calm. I'm laying back in that stupid-ass movie, Lethal Weapon 4, which is <laughs> stupid, man. Yeah. And I'm laying there watching it. I'm laughing so hard, man, I want to puke. And then I got hungry, but it was like real late at night. Right. And um, anyway, so after I found out, hey, man, it works, yeah. I went to another friend of mine, and he gave me like a Marlboro box full of joints. And then every time, you know, I'm tent, I just come out here, light a joint, take, you know, smoke half of it, go back in. I was eating then. Yeah. I was sleeping. It literally changed my life. Like, it was like, man, it was insane. But You're not the first person I've heard that from. So, oh, yeah. And I think there's a lot to that, you know. Oh, the, yeah. The healthcare, the healthcare industry isn't in the business. No, dude, I'm telling you. I mean, but see, here's the problem. Here's the problem. Bottom line, you know it and I know it. Yeah. It works, man. But there's one big problem. There's so many assholes out there exploiting it, wanting to get rich, wanting, you know, that, that's what's ruining it. The honest guys yeah. that are doing, like that little girl I seen on TV having all them seizures, and these guys are like college students that have degrees, and they got, you know, they do, it's in Colorado. Mm-hmm. But they but they made this, they made this formula out of marijuana um, that you don't get high, but this girl was having seizure after seizure after seizure after seizure after seizure, and they gave it to her, stopped. Yeah. You know, I mean, those are the legit guys, but there's so many people. That's what kills the whole, yeah. you know what I mean? So anyway, back to the cancer. <clears throat> people are coming in here. I'm getting, you know, I'm, I'm now, now I'm feeling a lot better. I'm down to my last sessions, you know. Well, people are coming in here and, you know, the word got out, I got cancer. And they're like, man, Mark, what kind of cancer? I go, be selling FOMA, man, uh, stage three. Wow, that's crazy. My mom had that, hmm. you know. Um, she went into remission and then seven years later she came back out and died within six months wow, wow. this guy comes in yeah my uncle had that told me the same 20 people told me that same story 
So Jonathan Blitzer, who we became friends, he came over here with his son. I showed him my shop. I went in for my appointment, and I said, Jonathan, do me a favor, man. Don't bullshit me. Don't beat around the bush. Don't tell me any kind of crap. And then I told him what these people said, okay? And he goes, Mike, this is what's happening. Yes, in seven years, your cancer is going to... He goes, you got the easiest curable cancer, but in seven years, it comes back with vengeance. It goes right into your spine, into your bone marrow, and we can keep you alive for six months on chemo. I said, well, when it happens, you can... You can keep the chemo. Yeah. I'm not going to die, you know. Anyway, seven years, it came back. I'm like, mother. But mm. it's weird, man. Instead of going into my spine, it went back into my tumor. Mm. And I got real sick, and then I went to see him. And he goes, yeah, it's back, and the tumor's growing. And then I had to do, um, I had to, do, okay, he told me, he goes, Mike, well, here's the good part. Um, you're going to do the non-aggressive chemo. Your hair's not going to fall out and there. But what he didn't tell me was the side effects. Mm. So I had to do like every three weeks, do chemo, 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 chemo. And then I had to do it for 30 days straight. Man, it was horrible, man. You know? That's crazy. That's why I just, I just cut all my hair off. I, I mean, yeah, you know, but, yeah. you know, it's life. You got to, you know, see, the thing about it is, look, the thing about it is, look, it's life. It's what you dealt. Yeah. I'm not going to sit and cry. I don't feel sorry for myself. I don't, you know, I kick ass and take names. That's. You know, that's how you beat... I work, man, you know? Yeah. Like, a lot of people, oh, man, oh, God, man, I don't know. Well, you know what? If you got that attitude, this disease is going to take you over, you're done. Everybody be going to your funeral. But like yeah. I say, you know, I just... Whatever, man. You're not ready to throw in the towel. No, I'm not. And I'm not going to, like I say, um, you know, I just kick ass and take names, you know? and Yeah, exactly, so... There's a lot of people who are starting or ha- who have been uh, building bikes who are, you know, kind of, I would say, of my generation, you know, the 30s and 40s. Um, and if there was one piece of advice that you could give to them, um, given your life experience and your perspective of being around bikes, I, I didn't ask you about clubs or anything like that, right. but just being around motorcycles and the culture, what would your advice be? My advice? Well, I see I stopped building bikes for people because... I mean, I've had nothing but bad experiences when I do it because I got people that come in here just got champagne taste with a beer budget. <laughs> and, you know, they, 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 um, quick example mm-hmm. <clears throat> the Terminator bike. Mm. I bought the drivetrain out of it. Okay. <clears throat> and, um, this is just a quick, for instance, type deal. Yeah, yeah. Um, I put it in a craft tech. Rigid, I'm not a rigid, but like a soft tail frame. Mm-hmm. And I was just going to assemble it and sell it. Mm-hmm. Guy comes in, <clears throat> wants to buy it. Well, how much complete? I said thirteen grand. You know, but I'm not talking about show quite nice. Right. Uh, anyway, um, he gives me a five thousand dollar down payment. The guy knows nothing about nothing when it comes to a bike. Mm-hmm. He. Uh, he brings me this, 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 and this. I put it on, you know. Um, like, what color do you want it? He goes, I got to go. Anyway, he went to an Easy Rider show, <laughs> and he brought me a picture of a bike. He goes, Mike, this is the color, man. This is what color I want it. Can you do it? I go, yeah. I can have my paint, my, my paint guy, Gary, color match it, mm-hmm. you know. So 
Um, I do that. When I get to paint. It's all ready to go. Got everything prepped, ready to shoot. Um, he calls me up. He goes, hey, Mike. He goes, you know what? Forget that first color, man. I tell you what. I got this other color. I'm going to bring I go, whoa, whoa, dude. I already bought the paint, everything. Oh, come on, Mike, dude. Come on. And now they're my friend, right? Yeah, 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 man. Hey, come on, buddy. Comes up here with another. And I, like an idiot, I go, okay, you know what? I can use this on something else. I buy the other paint. Well, okay. That, we get all through that, and it's just is going on and on and <laughs> on and on. Well, one day, um, and I'm not getting any more money, and I'm, right. I've already got way more than five grand in this bike. And, um, one of his buddies come in here, and he goes, "Hey, Mike." He goes, "You know, I was talking to that. Yeah, he 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 thinks you ripped them off for five grand because the bike's taking so long." I said, "What?" <laughs> anyway, the guy leaves. I get on the phone. I said, "Look, man, you son of a bitch, get your fucking ass down here right now. Pick up your deposit and get out of my shop." Oh man, I'm busy. I'll come. He comes down. I said, "Listen to me, man. When you have a house." And you hire a contractor to come in. Mm-hmm. Now, everybody here in this program, if they don't know what I'm talking about, get out of the business. Right. Okay? You got a house. And you hire a contractor. Mm-hmm. And the guy's halfway through the job, and you go, no, man, I want to change it up. I want to do it. Instead of that, well, I want to take that, and I want to do it. I want to do Well, yeah, no problem. The guy goes right out and work. He makes what they call a change order. Yeah. And you pay for every dollar. Well, in the bike business, right? Mm-hmm. It's a different, no, dude, you know, well, like I say, I'm done. I don't, no, I mean, everything you see around you, I mean, don't get me wrong. I built a shitload of bikes, but it used to be, you know, I'd get a motor, a tranny, I'd put it in the bike, and if somebody would come in and give me a deposit, and I'd finish it, yeah. go through it, I don't do that no more. Right. Now, if I'm working on a bike and you want to buy it, I'll sell it to you when it's done. Yeah. And when you walk in here and it's finished, and you pay me for it in full. Now you go, hey, Mike, you know what, dude? I don't really like it. What? No problem, dude. Come on in. I'll write out a work order, and you pay me for everything you want me yeah. to change. Because this buddy, buddy, hey, man, you know, hey, man, I thought we were friends. Hey, man, or here, here's the deal. You know, it's like, hey, Mike, you know, hey, Mike, how long you take? How long will it take you? How long will it take to build me a bike? Is how long will it take to give me the money? You know, <laughs> good and, answer. And, and how many and how many changes are we going to have to go through? Yeah, you know, and um, it got to the point to where um, you know people would call me about building, and I would just quote them the most astronomical price on the planet. Not you know just so I, I don't want to be rude to them, you know. But yeah. but anymore, no. Let me tell you guys. Let me tell everybody listening where the money is at. If you want to make money in this business, it's the in and out. It's not fabricating. It's not building frames. It's not building show bikes. It's oil changes, fabric, in and out. Boom, bam, one day. Do, you know, you sit around, man. You're working on one thing for, 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 for eight weeks, man, and you're going to make this much money. Well, in eight weeks, you can do 50 oil changes, adjust, you know, do services, do that, boom, 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 in and out in the same day. Yeah. That's where the money, I mean, believe me, I've been in this business longer than most people have been alive, and I know. Um, yeah, I used to say, oh, yeah, bike building there. Man, no, man, you know, like I say, I do I do my own thing. And in, be, and in between the services and in between, you know, the money coming in, yeah, man, you you know, I just bought all these frames from Craft Tech. 
I've got motors, I've got trannies, I've got front ends, I've got cork, i got shit laying everywhere in the shop. Well, yeah, yeah I'll, I'll, I'll put them in, the motors in, the tranny. Now, if you want to come in here and you want to buy this bike, I will sell you this bike from the bare frame. I'll sell it to you with a motor and tranny in it. I'll sell it to you with a motor tranny, all the clutch, and all. I'll sell it to you with everything. You know, like I said, you put it together, you deal, you know. But as far as building it, yeah. ain't, ain't going to happen. <laughs> unless unless it's done, it's sitting here, finished, running, registered, ready to go, and then you pay me in cash what I want, and then, like I say, you want to change it? No problem. We make out a... We make out a work order and just start over, you know. So your advice to, to people listening is it, basically if you're going to build, build it for yourself yeah, and not right. for other people. Yeah, exactly. Or, I mean, I mean, don't get me wrong. There's, there's, there's people out there that will pay exorbitant money for bikes, but they've never came in here. You know, yeah. they, want, they want, you know, free or next to free or, you know, change this, do this, that, you know, man. No, it it just ain't you know, yeah. you know. But but I will tell you this: the new generation of bike builders, uh, you know, like like the kids from Born Free and all, they're amazing. The yeah. stuff they're building is beyond. I mean, that's the stuff. I got to tell you, from the day I got into the sea, back in the day, it went like this. See, it went from the style it is now, barber type bikes, mm-hmm. and then it went into choppers mm-hmm. with the big Springer front ends and everything. Well, I I mean, and back when I back in the B and O days, Tom Burke and there was no, everything was handmade. Everything was like you know, I mean, just insane. Yeah. Right. There was the master builders, but um, it did a turnaround. Mm-hmm. We're back to the barbers, but the but the, the I call them the kids. This generation that's doing it. Are made even even metric bikes. I see them. Yeah. I can't believe them. They're absolutely mad black slammed. You know, just incredible, man. Yeah. I mean, you know, I see them at the swap meet, but um, that's great. See, if you could build something like that, and then somebody wants it, and you say, "Hey, man, yeah. I want this much money for it," they say, "Okay, man, let's do it." Yeah. But if you're building it, and somebody comes in, well, you know, I don't exactly want this, and I, you know, what can we change that? Hey, what yeah. about? Can we do this? Hey, well, can we do this? Was it? Yeah. Wasted time, you know. But <laughs> I wasn't building it for you. <laughs> yeah, you know. It's like, yeah, but yeah, believe me, you know, it's uh, it's pretty insane. Well, what, Mike? What's your? I think I know the answer to this, but what's your what's your plan from here on out for you? I mean, considering taking your cancer into consideration and all aspects of your life, what's your plan? with the shop and kind of your life i know it's kind of a real broad question but no it's an exact i can tell you exactly here i mean it's not a problem but here's the deal see i would love to get up off this chair and never work on a bike again <laughs> and, I, and i'm not you know i'm not tri- but see the problem is it's not really a problem i'm actually like i mean i mean i'm actually like blessed because of what i got and what i've achieved but like i say at the same time you know, like for me to sell out, it would be astronomical money, and you know, it would take. I mean, I'll probably, I'll probably wind up, you know, hitting the floor someday, and not, you know, just right here. But I just have too much stuff to be able to, you know. Yeah. First of all, you'd have to find somebody that's got buku bucks to buy it. Yeah. And then here's another thing: 
here's another thing is, uh, you know, I had a buyer like a, a while, well, not a while back, but quite a while back. But he told me, he says, Mike, here's the bottom line. And this guy had cash, and I'm not lying to you, but here's the bottom line, Mike. When you go, the business will go. Mm. So you got, you got. I mean, I mean, you got to be, you got to be on top of this, you know, a hundred thousand percent. But yeah. no, I mean, I mean, I love. Don't get me wrong, I love. I mean, considering, I never dreamed in my wildest dreams ever that that you know, back in the day, oh man, back in the day when you can, uh, well, here for instance, like this. Look, my my landlord, mm-hmm. Jack. Bought a box stock 1966 generator shovel head police bike. Mm-hmm. Took it over to, this is long before I was in that shop, okay. <clears throat> over to Smitty's Auto Parts. Put it in the back room because he was a good mechanic. Mm-hmm. And he tore it down to the bare frame. Now get ready for this because I'm not, I'm not lying. I'm telling <laughs> you the God's truth. He took everything to that bike, including the original 66 gas tanks, which came out one year only with the fuel valve on the right side. The whole complete bike, the Y-Glide, the spotlights, the handlebars, the swing arm frame, the swing arm, the banana brakes, the front and rear wheels, and threw every bit of it in a dumpster. Wow. Threw it away. And then went to, there used to be a company called A-A-E-E. It was uh-huh. a, where they got the big chopper and the, yep. and the twisted springer with a little, and he bought, he kept the motor and transmission only. Wow. Everything, the clutches, everything, in and out of primary, threw it in the trash and, and, and built, you know, a, a chopper, but that's crazy. But uh, but uh, you know, like I say, back in those days, man. If I told you, man, you don't have enough time for me to tell you. Which is, you know, <laughs> there might there might be a Michael Bryan part two. Um, episode. Actually, actually, to tell you the truth, I love to write a book. I had a I had a very good friend of mine. He's a fireman, and um, anyway, we were talking one day. And I'd like to write a book, and you can't make this shit up. Would be the title, and getting <laughs> in, awesome. and getting into the real one hundred percent end of this business. You know, it ain't it ain't a you know like taking it like. See the way I consider my business is like, it's the most important thing in my life. I mean, I have my daughter, and you know, but but my business is like you go to work and you work. You work for a tow truck company, or you go to yeah. work and you work. I go to work and I work. It's this ain't a, a glamour thing. I'm not some guy going, "Hey, man, I own a Harley shop." This is what I do for a living. Yeah. And um, man, I could tell you stories that that you know, <laughs> it, it's amazing. It's ama- and, and here's the thing, and and Tony will tell you, and everybody that works for me will tell you, I don't care in this business. I do not. And like I say, anything I do. I'm a 1,000% cash buyer or cash whatever it is. It's $100 bills. I don't even want a receipt. Just do it. And in this business, doesn't matter, dude. It's like, yeah. you know, it's like, oh, well, you know. Other businesses, they kill. I mean, okay, not to sound conceited, but if I had somebody like me yeah. when I was living in a one-car garage yeah. that would step up and go, hey, man, I need this, 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 this. I paid and I'd be on it like, well, I'm hurting, but I don't know, man. I, you know, I don't want to work Tuesday. I don't want to work Wednesday. I open at one o'clock. Well, I'm taking a week. I'm taking my vacation, and you know, it's like it's insane, man. There's, I think you could probably agree with this, and I think this is what you're alluding to is that 
there's definitely a shift in attitude and work ethic, I think, across the board. Thousand percent. From your generation to this generation. Thousand percent. Yeah. And let me, and let me let me explain something to you. I'll put it in plain English. I got a sixth grade education. I came up the hard way and I could tell you, man, you knock it knock you off that chair. There is so many more people out there that are so much more talented than me, that is so much better mechanic than me, that is so much but here's the problem. I don't give a shit who you are, I don't care how good you are, I don't care if you're a master painter, an artist, whatever, a a fabricator, a bike builder, a car builder, I'm gonna tell you right now, which makes me a total success in every aspect, and I can work till the day I die. No problem is because of my work ethics. If you don't have the right worth ethics and you don't have the right attitude and no business, forget yeah. about it, man. Forget yeah. about it. And I, 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 you don't have enough time to tell that I could tell you how many people I dealt with like that. And yeah, you know, guys I've hired, right? Okay, here, let's talk about hiring. You know, guys I've hired, man, and you know, best of the best. Yeah. You know, for about two weeks, and then they got drug problems, they got women problems. Uh, Supposed to be here at 11 o'clock, or you know, 11. I'm not open until 11, but I'm up when the sun comes up, running yeah. around doing the bookkeeping and counting the chrome. The very one o'clock, you, you know, you're standing around, you know, no mechanic, yeah, no mechanic, you know. <laughs> Yeah, that's that's a problem. My, my dad ran his own business for nine years, and and the hardest thing he had was people paying their bills. Like you said, he was he would yeah. extend them, you know, credit for thirty days or net thirty, net fifteen, yeah. and nobody would pay. Oh, I know. He ended up closing the doors because of that. Yeah, exactly. You can't. But he had that work ethic, that same work. Ethic. Oh, he was yeah. there for eighteen hours a day working that yeah. that shop. Whatever it takes, you know. Like 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 yeah. Like I mean, you know, like last night I went to Fast Ed's and picked up some stuff I bought off of him. Some different you know uh like some nuts and bolts and a bunch of stuff and uh you know 10 o'clock at night i don't care man i get it done i got it you know um but a lot of guys ah, i don't want to do that man man i'll do it tomorrow i'll wait till the you know i don't well there it is man you know <laughs> meanwhile you're there got it done I'm and they're it, still they're still done. waiting yep exactly so that's how you do it you know yeah mike i'm I'm sure, and like like you said, we could fill like some volumes and maybe even a book with uh, oh, advice God. and experiences. But I just want to thank you for for being on the show. And nah, no problem. I appreciate yeah, your time. Cool, yeah. And um, yeah, anytime. And yeah, like I say, maybe I'll write that book. You can't make this shit up. <laughs> I like the title. Oh, yeah. Oh yeah. I mean, yeah. It's it's been an amazing life. It's been a trip. You know, it's been an adventure because I deal with. That's another thing that really that really is cool because I deal with so many different aspects, like you know, yeah. clubs, cop, everybody. I deal yeah. with everybody, and yeah, I met a, I met a lot of good people down the road. You know, a lot of I met a lot of bad, but mostly good. And, you know, met, met a lot of good friends, and you know, yeah, it's been pretty cool.